Hey everybody, Kyle popping in to give you a heads up about our charity for March of 2021. It's Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month, and if you're unaware, Pagan was diagnosed with it over seven years ago. MS is an incurable autoimmune disease that causes the immune system to attack the nervous system. Being that it's Awareness Month, we wanted to do something where we could tie in the proceeds from our subscriptions on our website and give large chunks of that away to charity, so specifically the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. If you'd like to get involved, head over to chaosandshadow.com or now named revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe. We're giving away large chunks of the proceeds, so even a $5 contributor gives away $2 to the charity. If you become a contributor at $20, we're giving away 10 of that. And if you're becoming a founder at 50, 30 of that goes to charity. Wonderful way to support us as a network and give money to a cause that is needed. That's the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. So go check out the article we have on the blog. Get involved. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out there. Hello, everybody. Kyle here, and welcome back to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you, Pagan? I am good. How are you? I am well. We are sitting down. We are recording this. What's today? Saturday the the 13th here. So Mm -hmm. we're just doing this a couple days before we're going to release this. People are getting this on Monday the 15th. This is our wrap-up to our kind of month-long Mothman investigation. Now... February wound up being a really busy month. I mean, you guys know Louie went in uh, to the vet. He had to have some surgery really quickly on a tooth that was infected. Like, it was a bit of a trying month financially, stress-wise, all the above. So a huge mm-hmm. shout-out to everyone that stuck with us and, like, was there emotionally for us and, and all the other different ways to the people that are contributing on the website. Like, we have to shout you out right off the top of the bat and just say a massive thank you there because it, it means a lot. And to Mothman as a whole, uh, how do you feel we did with this case, Pagan? Like, do you do you think you'd like to go deeper in the future with it? What do you think? I think that Mothman is kind of one of those cases that will never really be closed. And I think that Mothman always deserves a wonderful revisit because he is the, the case as a whole is super interesting. And I feel like this case, we touched on it, but... I think we can definitely go deeper in the future. And I think that there's going to be a lot more doors that are probably going to open up in the future. I just have that gut feeling that something's going to happen with Mothman. That's my thought too. Like, I I guess I would sit here and say, I feel both accomplished and still yearning for a little bit more uh, depth to this. Because for those that haven't gotten to listen to our whole season of Mothman yet, we started off by doing our preliminary thoughts like we do. Then we went into what the cryptid Mothman is. We got to have uh, Carl Pfeiffer and Connor Randall from Hellier come on. They talked to us about the real Indrid Cold, the character behind the mythos, if you will. They talked to us about uh, certain scenes of Hellier, how that case worked, what it was like to film it. And uh, then we got to sit down, you and I, and take apart Woody Derenberger's visitors from Lanulo's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody Derenberger being the man that interfaced directly with Indrid Cold. We got to talk about that. Again, further debunk that mythos. And then come back around, we talked about uh, the ongoing sightings of the Lake Michigan Mothman with Tobias and Emily Wayland of the Singular Fortean Society. They joined us for an interview, talked all about that. Pagan, you read the Lake Michigan Mothman, yeah? I did. I did. It was a really great book. Uh, jam-packed. Like, I'm serious when I say jam-packed full of reports and information about the ongoing cases. And I would guesstimate there are definitely hundreds of reports in that book of recent sightings we're talking within the last decade or so so this is you know isn't just a case that happened back you know way back when in west virginia there's cases that are still happening but they're just happening in a different location so i don't know if mothbed moved and just got tired of west virginia and decided to go hang out in the great lakes or if this is a different mothman or mothmen or Mothman. I, I, it's so interesting, the whole idea of the case to me. It's something, this is maybe where I feel like 
I, I want to go deeper, but I still need to learn more to talk thoroughly or with well-articulated thoughts on the ideas of ultra-terrestrials and what it could mean. Because we talked with the cryptid that was Mothman. We went over the Scarberries uh, in encounter with them and the mullets uh, along mm-hmm. the, the, the road there. Uh, it was fascinating to hear the creature's description versus what we see in pop culture, to, to see that dissection of the two. Again, the mythos versus the, the facts. Mm-hmm. But we still don't know much about that. Again, if this creature is traveling around, uh, there's apparently other sightings. We can easily debunk the, the Chernobyl Mothman that people you know claim to have seen. That yes. one was from the film. Uh, there's a couple other cases like that. It's a good reminder to do your due diligence because the Mothman case... I guess my interest, Pagan, lies in the truth of it these days. I want to get past all the fluffy, creepy pastas and all those stories. And it's remarkably hard to do when you're doing your internet sleuthing. So as we get access to better tools, better better record searches and all that, and just, I guess, generally more time on our hands to focus as full-time investigators, I want to start going in there and pulling out those accounts. This is one of those massive cases that I'd love to piece together in a way um, just through our blog and our website that we could kind of stitch this up there for people to come and see time in memoriam. Come look at our Mothman research. Cool. <laughs> come look at all the Mothman research. But ultimately, you know, like you're saying that there's still so much to this case and there's so many stones that we have not turned over because a, some of the stones are hard to find to turn over and B it's just a matter of, some of the evidence is old. Some of it, you're not sure if it's factual. Um, you know, kind of like a really great example is the connection to the men in black. So the men in black are obviously a very big part of the Mothman case in West Virginia. However, we don't really have the real versus fake accounts yet. I can say I don't, at least. I I, I, wish, I don't either. <laughs> I wish I knew. I, so reading the Mothman Prophecies by Keel, Mary Heyer has an encounter. She's the one that's his local correspondent in the area. She's the one who's covering all the strange UFO sightings. There is an encounter with a man in black who comes into her office. I can't remember if it was two. I think it was just a singular man in black that comes into her office and very awkwardly tells her to stop reporting on these UFO sightings. Uh, and and this this encounter was one of the, the ones where the man in black seems very, very strange. I think I've relayed very briefly that there's another one Keel mentions where a man in black just kept keeps showing up on the porch of one family's house, like seemingly out of nowhere, even in really inclement weather. It's a very like they're not in the city either. So it's West Virginia. They're on a, you know, a, a country road. And this guy's walking in like all this city clothing, you know, fancy spiffy shoes and stuff that you would not be hiking in the mud and snow through. So weird cases, but outside of Keels, um, I don't know how many I, I've not had the time or the the I guess resources yet, the knowledge to dig into how many of those other uh, men in black reportings are true or false, because it, mm-hmm. it does start with one of those scenarios. One person reports it and then either by hoaxing or by maybe manifestation, these entities start to show up at other people's places and in places around the world. So someday we'll do probably more detail into the Men in Black. It was something I wanted to do for this case. But as you alluded to, Pagan, the Mothman case is so massive that you could spend, and people do spend, decades researching just one facet of the case. Yes, you know, that's definitely something that we could say with, you know, you'll find that the reports from the Lake Michigan Mothman, they span a long time. And it's over the course of Tobias and Emily working with another investigator, Lon Strickland. And you'll find that these reports continue to come in. They you know, we're like, well, when this happened, this actually happened back in 2006, but I'm reporting it now because I was feared of, I had this great fear of ridicule. And so all of these terrible scenarios that these people imagined were going to happen to them if they said anything kind of kept them from saying, I'm not going to say anything. And then when other people started to come forward, then they're like, okay, well, they did it. I can do it. So we're good. (laughs) And even then, some of the people that reported, they didn't want further contact. They just wanted to say their story and be done with it. 
That was it. That's that is how it seems to go. I mean, a lot of people get silenced in these issues, and I'm not always saying it's big government cover up, but I mean, just there, there's there's a multitude of of reasons, uh, even reasons, especially reasons within the UFO community, within the the paranormal community, of us having a mm-hmm. you know a, a, too much doubt sometimes and uh, scaring valid witnesses away so it is it is a good thing to keep in the back of my, your mind if you're an investigator is uh how you approach stories even if they seem completely outlandish you still need to give people the um kind of kind of the ease the ease of mind that you're taking their account seriously so it can be examined and, and well worth their time yes absolutely so with that being said these these continuing events we talked about uh, before we interviewed Small Town Monsters, they did the uh, Mo- Mothman Legacy. I'm doing this from memory, and I mm-hmm. apologize. There's so many Mothmans in my brain right now. The Mothman Legacy, they had come out around October of 2020. Wonderful film. Really enjoyed that. Uh, and that goes to talk about more continuing sightings. Things that, mm-hmm. again, definitely do not fall strictly in the box of what we see as the Mothman mythos. To me, that's not only okay, but exciting. And the reason I say the word okay is if I'm giving permission to the occult to be paranormal. (laughs) But the Mothman mythos, the lore, the legend has very strict, you know, it it has become this creature. It has wings, but it's not a demon or it's not this or it's not that. But but yet we get accounts of, you know, that. I don't remember if you, uh, well, I don't know if you remember this one, but there's there's an account in that movie of a man saying, you know, he thought this demonic kind of presence was yes. coming up next to him. And it's not to say, I'm not saying that was a demon. He was. But I want to say that I think these manifestations happen outside of a specific box. And I think that's the importance of high strangeness. I think I think sometimes the idea of high strangeness, which is the paranormal coming through in all kinds of different forms and visages, I uh, I think we need to embrace that more, everyone. I think that as we all get into the paranormal field, we get a little jaded and we start to see only what we like and what we want to work. And I think that this is one of those beautiful cases to remember uh, whatever this is. We don't know it yet. If we knew it, we'd already have it figured out. You know what I mean? If we, if we actually understood it all, maybe we'd know nothing at all then. I completely agree with that. And, you know, it's also very interesting that you kind of point that out because in the like Michigan Mothman book, there's several reports of people saying this was a demon. It scared the crap out of them. Like it incited fear. And the interesting aspect of this is we have the other Mothmen who just seem to kind of be there and just doing their thing. And you just happen to cross paths paths with them. And in the Lake Michigan Mothman, there's so many reports that, you know, say that they vary in slight differences in size. And I'm saying, you know, five to six inches in size. And then we have others that differ in body color and others that also differ in eye color. And from the Point Pleasant Mothman, the eye color is always red. Mm-hmm, but in like mm-hmm. Michigan Mothman, they range from blue to red to yellow and orange in these accounts. Now, not to say that they aren't seeing something completely different. You know, even Tobias said that it could have possibly been some of the birds that are around there. But ultimately, it's one of those things that if these are moth men, why are they appearing differently there than they are somewhere else? Mm, I don't know. Did you say five to seven inches? Was that about their certain wingspan or what was what was that about? Um, or was that feet so for their height? In, in height, in height. Um, they, they ranged anywhere from about the the body uh, height was about five, nine ish. OK, to about seven feet tall. So it's actually much bigger than five, to seven inches. My apologies. No, no that's all good. Um, I just thought that was like a wingspan. You started or like a, so I thought maybe something about the eyes. I apologize. I was confused. No, the the uh, the wingspans always ranged anywhere between t- uh, 10 to 12 feet. That's what I thought. And well, the interesting thing is the pop culture references that they all kind of huh. used as a reference point for the description of the Mothman was the Jeepers Creepers 
um, right. creature. So it was very interesting in a lot of ways. And it was very interesting in a lot of ways how a lot of the reports, these were people who didn't know each other. Um, they would be within like a mile to five miles of each other and they would be within an hour of each other. And very. these people had no idea who they were, like never crossed paths with each other. They just reported it in and then you know, they multiple people are seeing the same creature at the same kind of time frame. So it was really cool to read all of that. I highly recommend the book. It's very easy. You guys can find it on Amazon. We'll have a link to it as well. Um, great read, though. Really great read. Yeah, absolutely. And wonderful interview, uh, Tobias and Emily. Yes. Fantastic. So thank you for joining us. That was great. Uh, the Mothman continues to have its legacy, if you will. I mean, again, we did the interview with Small Town Monsters, so go listen to that. That one was lovely. It's it's just a case that keeps on giving. I expect it almost always will. Uh, and I think that as long as we as investigators keep an open mind with with all of this, with these just these encounters and everything, it, it's, it's going to pay off. It, it yields us a lot. I heard someone, well, actually, Katie Webb, if you remember, was talking mm -hmm. about why we need to expand our lexicon of knowledge and words and imagery so that if this is some sort of entity that's ever trying to communicate with us, whatever you believe the phenomena is out there, uh, her her very good understanding is that the bigger the library you have, the easier of a chance that it would be able to communicate with you more specifically. I think in the case you mentioned that demon thing, or we both did, uh, and in the case of that man I was talking about, he was from a very, very religious background. So that mm -hmm. was his lexicon. That was his his way of speaking about things. And whether that intentionally, like whether that kind of, dare I say, limited view of everything, you know, that we don't know is evil, if if that influences how the entity manifests, well, then again, taking the fear away from a lot of this stuff is even more powerful. Um because whatever you're manifesting is probably going to be a little easier to communicate with if you are an investigator out there. If you're someone that's doing this stuff, knowledge is power, I guess, is the, the TLDR. Also, to tease that Katie Webb is going to come back on the show soon for an interview. So if you love that one, look out. I think that's coming in April, it looks like. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to Katie again and catch up with her and see what else she's been up to. Oh, I it's know. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. <laughs> Pegan, what else do you want to drop on these folks about Mothman for this week? Do we have much more so, do we want to recap here? I was going to say, I have a couple more notes oh, good, from the please. book that we didn't need to really talk about in the interview, which was, you know, the interview itself was amazing, and there was so much awesome information dropped. But literally, when I say that there, that book is jam-packed full of stuff, I took two pages worth of just basic notes. These are not even the full notes that I had in the book. Um, that just was so cool. And, you know, obviously for this case, we also uh, interviewed Connor and Carl from Hellier. Mm -hmm. And there were some interesting reports in that book that just before the sightings, they would hear muffled cries of women or a woman. And that's something that if you watch Hellier, you hear about those muffled cries as well. And it's just that kind of another linking of high strangeness to this area and kind of makes you go, okay was possibly Mothman present in Hellier as well? And, or is it just these creatures figure out ways to communicate or draw people in to communicate? Well, and it, it's very interesting. It's an interesting one because the, the, the crying baby phenomena or the crying woman phenomena uh, spans pretty far. And I would mm -hmm. say much further than Mothman lore does, just in like the, the accounts of it. Oh, yeah. So I'm very interested. I mean, is that, I wonder, I'm thinking of it the opposite way. I think you said a second ago, like, was Mothman there? And I'm wondering, is the that sound actually related to how the phenomena, again, manifests itself in some sort of area? We hear it Maybe. as a scream, but I mean, it could actually just be our universe literally scraping against another one for all i know i mean <laughs> talking about this imagery the, we know the, plates of the, the other dimensions touching each other <laughs> yeah, i mean who knows i don't know it's very strange because uh, what always interests me about these these screaming accounts and stuff you'll hear about people going into the woods and getting lost or taken kind of in a fey sense 
um, or some sort of eluded danger, like don't follow the scream, Mm -hmm. which now just saying that out loud, um, that's a very popular concept in our pop culture occultism, like that, that idea that you always hear in movie shows and they always... I'd love to look back into the validity of that lore, see how much of it actually checks out. But there's there's been this idea that over the generations, us as humans have always heard things like that in different parts of the world. And you're never supposed to respond to it or something bad yes. will happen. And, you know, that it's there's so many different things that kind of go in a correlation with that. And different cases, you know, obviously the Hellier case, now Mothman. Uh, there's other cases of like the devil's doorstep kind of thing where you'll hear women crying and it's actually the devil trying to lure you in. So, and then obviously the Fay cases. So it's one of those things when you really start to kind of look at it, it's like maybe it is, you know, a dimensional kind of thing. And that's, we're hearing either something come through or the dimensions touch each other or heck, I don't know, maybe a manifestation of some sort of creature or entity from the other side. And that's the sound that it makes. That's the audible sound that we're hearing that's saying, hey, I'm manifesting. So I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. And I I just I was poking around yesterday. I was just restarting Keel's The Eighth Tower book. I'm not a fan of the narrator on Audible. So I never got that far the first time. Uh, But I got into I think it was just chapter two yesterday where Keel reminded the listeners that he believes this phenomena, he calls it elemental in nature, uh, meaning not not terrestrial, or uh, I'm sorry, not extraterrestrial, that is. He's saying it is a terrestrial thing. It's from this earth. It happens alongside next to humanity, whether or not, you know, depending on how, he says, he doesn't really, he speculates here and there about how much interaction we have with it. At times he calls it kind of a record-playing um, from the heavens, if you will, or something like that. Just this kind of entity, phenomena, visuals, meaning the lights in the sky from the UFOs, that just happen on like a cosmic repeat cycle. And and um, he speculates in the year 2066, we'll still be wondering what some of those things are. It's really interesting in this day and age, because for what it's worth, our government is talking about a smidge more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, what the heck is all of this? It's I don't know what it is, but I think it's super cool and I'm still interested in it. And I might be one of the few weird people that if I probably heard the random scream, I might actually go towards it. But I'm also medically trained. So if I heard a woman screaming, I'd be like, oh, God, someone needs help. So I don't know. It's it's a very fascinating theory and and a very interesting correlation with all of these different types of cases of high strangeness. Yep. So what else did you find in that the book that was interesting? Any other notes from there cuz I'm interested. Well, you got me hooked. The, there was one that well, I'm sorry, there was a couple actually. Uh there's speculation that Mothman might live in water. Might <gasps> actually be a water creature. Ooh, we did hear about him flying up and down the river and stuff in West Virginia. Yes. Hmm. There was one specific report that actually really stood out to me in the book. These gentlemen, I believe they were duck hunting or fishing, maybe both. Uh, Maybe it was two different accounts. There was a lot of accounts. They're all hard to keep straight at at this point. But I know one of them was duck hunting and the other one, I believe, was fishing. But they saw this Mothman type looking creature actually kind of swim around in the water and then eventually it flew straight up out of the water Hmm. and then another time uh, another uh, report was they saw it flying overhead and it actually flew into one of the lakes so they there's some speculation of could this actually be a water creature and it is sighted around a lot of water areas you know obviously point pleasant has the um ohio river is it Yes, you are correct. Yes. Yeah. And so there's the Ohio River there, and then obviously the Great Lakes and Lake Michigan and all that right around that area. And so it's very 
interesting to see, you know, if he is a water creature, why is he a water creature and why does he fly? Like, why does he do both? That's strange to me, but it's super cool. And yeah, so that that's one of the things I noticed in the book that was very interesting. Some people, I'm sure when they listen to our shows, some people are probably madly in love and some people think we're probably totally, absolutely <laughs> insane as we dive into, again, the, these kind of crossover spaces, the idea that the phenomena is not so flesh and blood or, or um, mechanical, you know, uh, bits and pieces. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that the Mothman might frequent water. So do the fairy lights at times trying to lure people near the water. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got the stories of sirens and all that. We just talked about screams that are always luring people near the water and then the UFOs come in and out of the water back. Remember our Massachusetts case we were talking about well, back in like yep. 1860 or no, it was like further back than that. Uh, there was go, go back and listen to that episode. It's a good one. But we got old accounts of UFO sightings near bays and we're getting it now too. pardon me for overusing the word UFO, everybody. But but to me, I guess what I'm saying is. The aerial lights that you're seeing, the, the, the flesh and blood, quote unquote, Mothman that we're seeing, how different are those things, if at all? Or is it, again, is it all in our heads? Like, are we just projecting out that thing and it's trying to get us to look somewhere? Because let's, I'll give myself one, one. I'll, I'll take away a little uh, of, of people's disbelief here for a second by reminding everyone the Mothman lore, the mythos that attracts most, pe- most people is that the Mothman is an omen. That he himself, by appearing, is predicting something. So, again, I go, yes. what the heck is all this pointing our attention to? I, I Day by day, I get less interested in thinking, you know, that we're going to grab a UFO and figure out all of its secrets or that we're going to find the Mothman <laughs> and figure out its secrets. And, in fact, knowing humans, I really don't want us to catch any of these things because we dissect a lot. And I don't I'm not cool with that if we're trying to make friends. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I mean, it, it definitely I, I resonate with Keel's idea that this is some sort of record that's been playing and will continue to play to grab our attention. The encounters in the water in those areas that you mentioned too, we've definitely talked about the weirdness that goes on in the Northeastern Americas, what's going on over there, just from sea serpents to other things. I don't know. It's really interesting. I grew up with an old PA legend that said that the spirits travel through the water. So you gotta be careful. (laughs) And that's not even an old PA legend. Like I heard that in New Mexico. I've heard it here in Tennessee. And so it's very something kind of tied a little bit to the occult of saying that spirits will travel through the water. The water is a a conduit of energy, which does make sense because, you know, we've talked about many times in our occult workshops and all of that, that stagnant energy is bad. It's dead energy because it's not moving and energy should constantly be moving. And water that's constantly moving is obviously very healthy because it's being washed away and picking up stuff that's not supposed to be there. So I would say that, you know, if that's the case and maybe the Mothman uses the water as kind of like an energy recharge. And even if you think about it on a chemical like level, that's very accurate because water does hold charges. So that's one of the reasons why we don't put electricity near water because people die. <laughs> well, so it, it's a really fascinating concept. Yeah. And I, I wonder I, now I'm going out on a, a limb here, but it makes some sense off of everything we've talked about the last couple months. So if these things are visitors from not here, um, water arguably might be one of our most like our easiest natural conduits for breaching that barrier. I mean, maybe that's mm-hmm. why Mothman swims and shoots out of the water. I mean, if he's coming over from somewhere else, is that somewhere else? I mean, and that lore goes back to, right, the looking looking yes. through the water, getting pulled into a different realm, a different dimension. That lore is... Scrying with water. Exactly. with mirrors. Oh, exactly. made of water and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's a lot to that kind of really ties in with that theory that really does match up. And they say that water is also a portal in some ways. So... You know, if that's the case and they're coming in from an alternate dimension, maybe you're right. Maybe water is their their portal of sorts or their conduit of sorts. So that's that's a really fascinating theory. <laughs> Makes me think of the top of Skinwalker Ranch too. That area very dry, but with the reflectivity of that basin. 
and all mm-hmm. that energy it's able to like capture and beam up into that one spot. You know, was that was that why the Gormans were seeing that big old weird orange cloud like portal? I guess what I'm trying to say is, is were they seeing a similar portal to potentially what the water serves for these things? The idea of USOs or unidentified submersible objects, things that are going from mm-hmm. underwater to above and flying is at least increasingly getting on my radar is something that the UFO community takes with some seriousness. Uh, You guys are on the journey with us here. We're, we're both learning about this high strangeness as you do. So we hope we're passing along some good information. Hopefully uh, people are are taking something away from this because at times pagan, I definitely feel like I'm going off the deep end in life where I'm like, (laughs) Hmm, I have to sit here, you know, my 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 book I'm reading or whatever, whatever we're trying to get through. I'm like, it's basically trying to tell me that I am God and nothing else is real. And you have to manipulate the energy through the Godhead and the blah. And I'm like, this is all I listen to these days through, you know, <laughs> everything we do from last podcast on the left over there talking about similar. And I'm like, OK, Kyle, is any of this real? Are we going to let's talk about my man? Let's just knock it out. <laughs> I have such a blast doing it, but you really start to check yourself on what is... uh... You do. And, you know, going back to, like, Visitors of Lanulus by uh, Woody Derenberger, that that was one of those ones where a lot of that book is, quote-unquote, classified as fiction, but it's also classified as his account of his story with Indrid Cold. And, you know, if you watch Hellier as well, their their interactions with Tanya Derenberger, uh, Woody Derenberger's daughter, and talking about this. And it really kind of makes you go, I don't know how much of this I should buy into, mm-hmm. but yet I want to buy into every freaking moment of it because it sounds really cool. But at the same time, we are very much taught by our society that we don't talk about the occult. We don't do anything with that. Energy is just science thing you can't really do anything spectacular with it we're just very mundane boring humans but yet all of this other really cool supernatural stuff is happening around us and we're slowly experiencing it and i would say arguably 2020 a lot of people experienced it because of everything that happened with covid and the pandemic and that's a whole nother story but um I would say that there's still so much that's happening that people every day are getting their eyes opened. And now it really does make you go, okay, how much of this should I really be buying into? But at the same time, when you start to see how much is actually out there, you really go, okay, I think I can probably buy into all of this because so much stuff is actually happening. That's such a I, it's such a great take because I, I like to say on the show and, and elsewhere we talk and like the Kyle one year ago uh, probably would not have would not definitely not have it, it would totally laugh at a lot of the stuff that I, I take more seriously now. Mm-hmm. But again, that old Kyle was hoping and waiting that someday that UFOs may actually land or something like that, or that especially, especially just five years ago or whenever 2020, 2017 with the, the New York times stuff, I'm like, okay, you know, Hey, the, the UFO thing I've always been interested in, it's coming to a head, but I'm also thinking, you know, if, if the government's just saying they still don't know what it is, whether that's a lie or the truth, um, clearly that's not the answer. I mean, it, wh- whether or not they're honest or lying, that they don't know what it is either way, all those tax dollars didn't fix it. So it doesn't seem like it's, when I say fix it, I mean, it didn't didn't like explore it, didn't explain it. So that can't be the way we continue to go about it, at least not on a personal scale. It has to be through investigating all this other strangeness and, and, and kind of seeing what links together. I do think I think a lot of it's very connected. I think a lot of it is kind of about exploring and experiencing different parts of ourselves. Um Woody Derenberger's book is a great account. Like you said, it's it's something that Keel bashes right off the bat in the intro by saying, I don't believe this account, but yet says that he thinks that, you know, Woody Derenberger relayed this very honestly and earnestly and, and like trust him. So it's it's a strange idea. I, I think we've all personally been there where we like we know our friend is serious. We don't distrust our friend. But at the same time, the account is almost just too much of a leap or something to follow. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I So that's the question then. When people have these encounters, like, is it about believing or distrusting Woody or Tanya Derenberger? 
I don't know. I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinions. Uh, at first, I balk at a lot of the stuff that I hear from them. But then I go, it really hasn't netted them fame. It moved them out of their home. Like they had to kind of retreat from the audience, the public eye. Uh, I'm sure there were some money made here and there off of stuff, book sales and whatever. But Woody didn't seem to do like a huge, huge. He only has his one book. I don't think he double dipped. I don't know if there's more out there by him. Maybe one or two more. But it's not like a whole trilogy super huge deal i i guess all i'm saying is whatever seemed to happen to them does again seem to be honest and genuine and i don't know why they would go to all the trouble of making it up and why the heck what were the 1960s just packed with ufos i don't know i don't know i want i want to know i don't know <laughs> um i mean the and the interesting thing is you know the correlations between what happened in west virginia in the 1970s with mothman um, and the TNT area uh, was kind of Mothman's home. There was also a similar account that happened recently with Mothman in uh, the Joliet Army ammunition plant, uh, which is also closed down. But there was UFO sightings and Mothman sightings around that. So those were also very new. And it kind of really does go back to that kind of water theory of why is there association with water, but why is there also associations around ammunition? Ammunition, and fertilizer too, right? The explosive. Yeah, fertilizer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you go back to Betty and Barney Hill, uh, which there was a connection to the, you know, injured cold case with that as well. So all of these little things are so connected with each other, which is so interesting. And it's like, but they happened miles and miles and miles and miles apart from each other. And I, you could literally make yourself totally crazy trying to like put all the pieces together. But ultimately, at the end of the day, everything when it comes to these high strangeness cases is connected in some way, shape or form. It most definitely feels like it. And if you are a believer in the high strangeness, much in the way that Keel describes it, uh, he implies that... M much like many people of religious backgrounds sometimes believe like they, they, they very a la carte this, but the idea that God has a plan or that the, the phenomena has mm -hmm. a plan because it's implied that the phenomena will move people into place into your life to achieve a goal. I think he describes it as like a childlike intelligence because it knows enough to toy with us and uh, when to tease us, when to give you the right amount of breadcrumbs. Now, again, to some people, they're going to be like, you're absolutely out, you're out of your mind. This is just total hearsay, I suppose. But I mean, theoretically, so is all religion. I mean, unless we can just prove, you know, any of it factually, I mean, it's it's all insanity and hearsay in that sense. So uh, we all choose to believe a certain amount. Uh I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm just throwing out the idea that whatever's out there kind of moving things around, it's interesting. I'd love to communicate somehow with intelligences that hopefully don't hate us. I'd love to see another compassionate one out there, which I think really drew my interest to the visitors from Lanulos, uh, by the way, is we talked about this in the Andrew Cold episode, but how, how kind uh, mm -hmm. Cold was in the, the Lanulosians as a whole wanted peace from us. And also, as I finished the visitors from Lanulos, Peg, and you and I haven't talked about this, but... Woody says that the U.S. government has two of these extraterrestrial crafts that he believes that they let the government have um, for study because and they, they, with our current tech in the 60s, they couldn't actually break into the craft. So he thinks <laughs> that they left them here for study as a way to almost tease our government that like we will open these secrets to you as soon as you let us openly land on your soil and have good communications with your people. So are we talking like the Roswell? And I say with air quotations because y'all obviously can't see me. Um, but the Roswell crash? Woody, uh, Woody says that many such of these crafts have crashed on our planet. Okay, this was weird. I'm quoting this almost verbatim from memory, though, but I almost have it exact. He says, very many of these extraterrestrial crafts have crashed on our planet, but crashes are rare, which seems a contradiction to many, because they have a grav, an anti-grav unit, basically, that keeps them from actually, you know, f crashing, crashing, like in Star Wars. Um, he says that none of the, the Earth tech, at least in the 60s, was capable of harming these crafts to his knowledge and that any sort of you know these these two that he implies that we have 
must definitely have been gifted because that. He goes on to say that because these people are psychically linked, calling out for help is rarely fatal. So he also doesn't believe that any humanoid bodies have been recovered per per visitors from land. Wow. <laughs> I I have so many like thoughts and questions about that, but literally we could save that for a whole nother episode. Like that would just take up all the time. Uh because <laughs> you know, it really does kind of question our role in the universe if most of and i'm saying most theoretically of these alien visitors have psychic communication then what the heck are we doing as humans <laughs> yeah and what is our role in the universe if we're you know obviously there are many psychics out there and like i said we could talk about this as far as the occult goes in a whole nother episode by itself but it really does start to the question in your mind of if we're closing off our psychic abilities or, you know, all of these other entities have psychic abilities, what what is our role? Like where where do we play into this? Are we the science experiments? Like what is this? I and like I said, it's a whole nother episode that we could dive deeper into that, but it's it does bring up a lot of questions. I'd be a very, <laughs> very interested in a topic about that, especially if we can pull in some friends that know that subject better. Because I yes. had, well, so if there, we'll use this moment to tease. There's a great Michelle Belanger interview coming up. If you remember, we had her on in October. Michelle's been on Portals to Hell, Paranormal State. We love her. She spoke at PhenomenaCon uh, in the September of last year, 2020. She's back to talk with us for about two hours worth of stuff. One is going to be up on the feed for everyone to grab, just like you're listening to this probably. Then the other one is all bonus content for members of the website. If you want to get involved with our charity, we'll talk about that in like five minutes. But um, great chance to get in there and get involved with it. We talked to her about problematic subjects in the paranormal community, all kinds of stuff. And I'll point out, this like where do the where do the humans fit in it is one of those ones that's like gets into that super unreliable space because i i guess because everyone just has a vague idea but from woody's idea I'll, I'll just speak from this and say his implication from the book is the u.s government thinks that we are too stupid i think is explicitly the word that's used in there it's like too stupid or just too unintelligent too unreceptive that will never, you know, this is just too, it's just too much. It's too much for humans. We can't. And so it sounds like they're crossing their arms and just, you know, stomping their foot. Like, we're not introducing you to the public. We're doing this our way. It's all going to stay secret. Now, some of this, though, is a little bit of Cold War angst in there, I believe, because this book was written around, you know, 1970s. So uh, it's, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. But... It seems that he thinks the U.S. government just will not let aliens land and interact with us and, and assume our larger role in the universe. What Indrid Cold tells him is that as soon as we as humans accept our role in the galaxy, then all of their technology and everything is open to us. Like we can have we can have access to all of that. The one condition is that we must pledge never ever to war against another planet that we will never raise our arms up against any i think i think also potentially internally you can't you know you can't violently suppress your own people which is freaking great beam mm -hmm. us up um i want to live on a world where we don't have cops doing that but uh, <laughs> that would be great <laughs> yeah basically the moral of the story is you cannot be at war with other things but uh or or because he says that if they needed to, they definitely have the weapons to just annihilate us. And that that in itself should be proof that they're a benevolent group because they're here, they can, and they absolutely will not fire upon any of our crafts or whatever. So that's Woody's take on the Lanulosians, everyone. <laughs> and whatever federation they're a part of, I would like to know. I need to do that. Maybe I could Google while you're about to say your next thing here, Pangam. I want to know what what federation is Lanulos part of? Because I don't remember I don't Darren know. Berger saying a name. I know that he said something about a federation. I just don't remember if he stated who the federation or what the, the title of the federation was. Um, but ultimately, I, I would have to say that uh, the Lanulosians sound awesome. <laughs> I I'd love to visit or you know potentially move there. That would be great, too. <laughs> um, but I... I mm, I almost have to agree with what Woody said about our government. I truly believe that, you know, we are very afraid, at least in America, 
um, of our our government's very afraid of in a lot of ways of the people and our opinions and all this. And this is why, you know, they will do one thing and try to scare us into something else. And this is very proven in the last couple of years, especially uh, that they try to scare us into thinking something that's not true. And so if there's this wonderful race that of extraterrestrials that is out there that can say, hey, we actually know a much better way to do this and trying to convince our entire 6 billion people on our planet that there's a better way to do this. I would guess that maybe 30% of the planet would be like, yeah, I'm down for that. And the rest may not be because we are trained to be almost a hostile race. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a little bit in our DNA. And it's just, it's sad. It's a really sad kind of thing to think about that, you know, obviously there is a better way to do that. There is a better way to live without, you know, the war and the anger and the mistrust and just all the crap and BS of the world that we live in right now. And we just don't really want to hear it as humans. And that's sad. I think you're really on to it there. And and that's Woody's implication, too, with the the, the telepathy thing, is that Mm -hmm. that is why their civilization there is so just, is because they can tell when people are suffering from, you know, a distance. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a a whole different world. Now, my Googling here resulted in what I'm just going to phrase as, like, very potential for very weirdness. Like, I'm seeing something pop up that is called the Galactic Federation of Light. Now, that really interests me as a name. I don't remember that being... That does interest me, too. That kind of, like, sets off a ba-bing. I want to know more. (laughs) I like the idea of light because light's used a lot of time as, like, the, uh, you know, Lucifer, the light bringer. Um, We have Prometheus Mm -hmm. bringing fire. We have all these different godly mythos sort of things where light is brought and enlightenment comes with it. Um, if that's actually their name, it really seems to symbolize what they're doing. Now, what I can't say, though, is I haven't tracked this back to any reliable sources while we're here and now. So for people out there listening that may have a very good sightable, please get in touch with us. I'd, I'd love to know if you could pick this up in particular. Let me know if there's a good passage that we could trust. The Galactic Federation of Light. Uh, also, what came up here briefly, Pagan, a good reminder for everyone as we start to wrap this episode up, that not long ago, just December of 2020, the former Israeli space security chief says extraterrestrials exist and that there is a galactic federation waiting for humans to, quote, reach a stage where we all understand what space and spaceships are. So, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't I, know that I'm living in a real reality right now. <laughs> I'm just not convinced. <laughs> That gives a lot of credibility to Woody's book and what he states in that book. If, you know, we've got a Israeli security chief that's saying this. Um, I'm sorry, security, space security chief? Um, Yeah, space space security chief. So I don't know exactly what their job is. They're securing space for Israel. But I mean... I mean, if if we could just all work together, we could meet the really cool aliens, folks. Come on now. Let's do it. Let's let's dominate world peace here that's the thing i don't well it kind of is though it's like we we do kind of need to like reform this world with like love is kind of the root um because i think Mm -hmm. if we start with any other soil than that i think it's going to turn out just as corrupt and perverted as it is now where you know i mean let's face it not to be a downer everyone here but you know we live in this world where almost every government around the world without fail almost everyone is there the leadership is riddled with money laundering we got pedophilia that's all over the place like our government is all of them are morally bankrupt to the point that it's like well i don't know if we as humans are building this world if we can build tulpas and you know pk entities and all that sort of stuff manifestations that can save us i don't know i've said this before in the show have we been duped into like believing in kind of the wrong gods uh in in the recent years which kind of are subverting our power to the hierarchy. Like, I I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we need a grassroots love, love the earth, love the animals, love the people sort of movement and and reshape it in that image. Because kind of what they're saying is going to get us into that next stage. And that if we keep giving up all this control to our leaders, well, again, I mean, here are the results. Are you guys happy with them? Because I'm not. (laughs) 
I'm not either. And, you know, it's really funny that you have that kind of grassroots kind of thing that you just said that um, has that very 60 late, uh, late 60s, early 70s, kind of like hippie peace, love and all that vibe. So I, I really, truly believe that we need to kind of go back to that mindset of, yeah, being a little bit of the tree hugging hippies and promoting peace and love, because obviously war and being, pardon my French, but being pissed off all the damn time is not working for us. We need to do something different. And we'll get off the soapbox now because that's, you know, far away from my strangeness. But, well, ultimately, I think think it's um, right on the money, actually. Go ahead. I I would say that if Mothman, it's funny because I follow a Mothman bot account (laughs) on Twitter. And I love this account. It makes me so stinking happy every time I see a tweet because it's like Mothman is real and Mothman loves you. Mothman is real. Mothman wants peace. Mothman is real. Mothman something. And it just is always some really positive message. And I would say if that's the case, if that's the vibe that, you know, the real Mothman really would ever put out and the Lanulosians are putting out and anybody else is out there putting out, I would say that, yes, they are real and they want peace and they love you. I'm so glad you brought up the 60s comment or the whole like kind of peace love movement, because I'm wondering if that's sort of why so many things started to happen in that time period of the 60s. -hmm. Uh, Betty and why why Betty and Barney Hill? Well, they're an interesting couple on their own because they were interracial at a time when people were getting lynched for that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't you know what I mean? Like if you were an alien at a far and you're seeing like all these white people gang up and like kill black folks and do all this terrible like all that lynching that was happening. And then you're like, okay, well, you know, these people do seem a little bit more uh, definitely more evolved. They're educated they're down to earth, they're rational, they're they're not involved in the bloodshed and the gore. Those are the people that I would personally try and reach out to. You mentioned earlier mm-hmm. things seen around like missile silos, things with like explosives and all that. That's been said. There have been accounts, though, I mean, it's hard to get details on them, but there have been accounts that say that the aliens have stopped us from nuking ourselves in the past by disarming certain things. I, I'd be curious Making to... Say again. Making them malfunction, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've heard before there's something and I would love to dig into this and get facts, but you know, them not letting us send nukes into space per se. All kinds of stuff. The point I have to come back to is make it about love. And also I want to figure out what the heck space is. Because apparently space is not what we think it is. So just said that Israeli minister. And I I had this weird thought creep into my head the other day. I'm like, what is like, I I don't know the whole aspect of matter and what's out there. And yeah, I want to know. I just sit here and say, (laughs) I don't know, but I'm curious. That article just totally repeaked my interest in that. And I feel like I'm being pointed back in that direction. But what if we Maybe don't know that's what space the direction is? We should go. I'm uh, interested. Yeah, I, I would say as far as Mothman, Mothman is temporarily wrapped up. We will mm-hmm. probably revisit it in the future. But uh, you know, if the Mothman bot is you know channeling Mothman's thoughts towards us, then yes, Mothman is real and he loves you. That's right. And you should promote love and peace. And as a way to do that, as a way to start uh, promoting some love, we want to talk to you guys for the last couple minutes here about an amazing charity effort we have and some updates going on across the board. So stay tuned for an extra five or 10 if you can. Uh, This is very, very important to us. So first of all, big changes going on to the website visually. And this is all part of a project because we're trying to make the membership aspect to our website all the more exciting for folks. It is what keeps the show going. It is fantastic. And we're tying in for the remainder of March. We might be able to bring this into a little bit of April, too, if people need us to uh, hold on paychecks and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. We get it. You let us know. We've already had a, someone reach out about that. Uh, but basically, we're giving away a huge portion of our new subscription fees for the month of March. Uh, if you become a $20 subscriber, 10 of that's going to charity. If you become a 50, we're giving 30 or so away. If you become a two, uh, sorry, a $5 subscriber, we're even given two of that to Pagan, you want to tell them who you chose for this month? Yes, the National MS Society. And this, the, we chose them because obviously, probably many of you know, I have MS, I have multiple sclerosis. And so we're partnering with them and we are trying to raise money to continue the fight to find a cure because MS is a non-curable disease. It's a permanent disease. We have it forever once you get it. 
And it's one of those things that it affects everybody differently. And it, it makes your immune system attack your nervous system, which can cause a whole plethora of issues for the patients. So the closer we get to finding a cure, the better all of these wonderful MS patients like myself will be. So if you can, please consider becoming a member because we would love to have you help us fight for a cure. Very well said. It's, it's, it's absolutely important. And it's, it's something we're very passionate about. We're both charity-driven people. So this was kind of a way to help bolster the network, get people involved, you know, become members, check out some of those really cool perks, and give to an amazing cause in the process of doing so. So one-stop shop, be doing a big donation at the end of this. We'll give, we'll send pictures and all kinds of stuff. But we both run a lot of charities in the past through, through streaming things. It's a wonderful way to do it. Um, as you are signing up to become a member, there's some cool new perks in there. First of all, website members are getting exclusive Discord access. So that is a thing. And if you need that when you sign up as a member, just ping us through that chat feature at the bottom right of the website. That is wonderful. I can talk with you through the Wix website thing. It's just, it makes it super easy. I get to keep all of our things in one place, streamlines it, and should make it fairly easy for you because you don't have to kind of dork around with too much. Just sign in and you just start DMing straight through that. Um, blog posts are happening on a more regular basis. You've probably noticed covering a lot more member details, uh, behind the scenes things. We have a brand new chaos and shadow intro title theme. Like you'd see for a TV show that is heading up to, um, that's on the blog already. It's going to be mm-hmm. in some of our YouTube episodes that we put up of the show. So check that one out. Member pages got a nice little rework in terms of just making them a little bit more streamlined. You'll probably see on the homepage, the podcast have gotten a lovely place on the header so you can nice and easily find which show you want. That will take you into sub pages. A big reminder to sign up for our newsletter if you haven't done that. That is something I want to keep pushing more and more. Um, So get signed up for the charity. Get signed up for the newsletter. Let us know what you want to see more of because we're always interested in that. Uh, but right now, big bonus audio with guests like Michelle Belanger. That'll be up there. 40 extra minutes. We, You and I did a recap after the Tobias and Emily interview with the Singular mm-hmm. 14 Society. We're planning on doing those bonus episodes every time we got a good show that we're really, really amped about talking and sharing some of the extras with you. So if you're interested, yeah. like I said, dive in, get that bonus audio, get that behind the scenes, help out with charity efforts this month. Uh, raise raise awareness for MS Awareness Month. That's what it's all about. Help us raise some of that cash for it. And a huge thank you to our new members, Aaron MT. Uh, we got Prince on there, Redhead, Red, all of our wonderful people up there. Just thank you so, so much for contributing. Thank you for supporting yes, us. Thank you, guys. And uh, check out all the links up on the website. There's so much to explore. It's so pretty. And there's a whole new podcast that, uh, do you want to talk about that here? Is that a secret still? Uh, no, we can totally talk about do that. It. Uh so as you guys have known, um, if you are in our Facebook group, if you followed us on Twitch when we first started out, we did a lot of really cool kind of occult stuff, guided spell work, guided meditations and all that. And so we decided that we were going to go ahead and just move those to YouTube and I was going to record those separately. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? We could totally do with like a whole witchy podcast with this. And so those guided meditations, those guided spells, and some cool just me sitting there talking about witchcraft kind of topics are going to be coming to that. That is going to be Pagan's Witchy Corner. It is, you can find more information about it coming up on the blog and also going to be, uh, there's going to be a nice little page on the website about it as well. It is currently available to go and follow and subscribe on Spotify and iTunes and Google playlists and all the others. So you guys can go check all those out. Uh, it's going to be great. And hopefully those are going to be dropping weekly on Sundays. Oh, so that's stay so tuned. Cool. That's so cool. I love it. So that means we got about five shows up there on the network mm-hmm. these days. You guys, if you're interested in any way, shape or form getting involved, we've had people reaching out lately, uh, offering some support in different ways. So if you're someone that's always wanted to help out the show, whether it's through art, whether whatever it might be, we're always looking for friends to communicate with, connect with, yes. grow our network. If you're a fellow podcaster, we might be interested in hosting other shows in the future here. So get in touch. It, we've actually uh, got reached out to by an advertiser that I need to talk with um, Pegan here soon. That's really cool. We got yes. an actual like one of those ones you hear on most of the shows reached out to us. And it's like really good, great work. We want to we want to hit you up. So 
hey, that's cool. It was officially their email account that sent it. So I was like, woo, you guys may have just gotten us into the league where um, advertisers care. And that means a lot because in this crazy COVID world, uh, you guys know I'm an independent content creator. I'm sitting here doing this all day. And when you guys come and you, sh- you share our stuff, when you're you're telling friends about it, when you're subscribing, it just means the world. So that, like I said, honestly, even just sharing and raving about it on Twitter just absolutely warms our hearts to no end. Um, get in touch. Be safe out there, everybody. Uh, we're going to, by the way, on the note of a bonus episode, this is funny. We may or may not have one for this week just because this was a wrap up. So look yes. forward. There's the, the singular 14 and Michelle's big one coming. We may still scooch something up there for you, especially I'd love to do a Q&A. So if the audience has any questions for us, oh, that, that, be so much fun. that would be wonderful. Um, And if that doesn't even get up there this week, that's still, you know, you don't have a deadline to get that in. If you want to send in questions, get yourself signed up on the website, send us some things. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you all soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Are you enjoying listening to these shows on the Revelator Podcast Network? If so, let us know. By leaving reviews and sharing the shows with friends, it's a wonderful way to introduce our show to a whole new audience. And just in case you don't know, We've got four podcasts at the moment, including our Paranormal Chaos and Shadow, Kyle's Communist Book Club, Stellaris Emergency Broadcast for all you gamers, and Kyle's Valheim Bulletin eh, for the gamers that just can't get enough. We got a lot going on, so consider becoming a member at chaosandshadow.com forward slash subscribe, or check out my personal page there at chaosandshadow.com forward slash Kyle.